Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. I'm running for President of the United States to lead our great American comeback. Look, we know our country's going in the wrong direction. We see it with our eyes, and we feel it in our bones. Our southern borders collapse. Drugs are pouring into the country. Our cities are being hollowed out by spiking crime. The federal government's making it harder for the average family to make ends meet and to attain and maintain a middle-class lifestyle. And our president, well, he lacks vigor, flounders in the face of our nation's challenges, and he takes his cues from the woke mob. I don't think it has to be this way. American decline is not inevitable. It is a choice. And we should choose a new direction, a path that will lead to American revitalization. That's Ron DeSantis announcing his presidential run. It's not the official video announcement. It was the announcement as he was there on Twitter in that what they call spaces. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. It didn't go well. A lot of technical issues delayed everything. But when it was done, you had over 700,000 people. In some cases, you may have had a million people who were who were a part of this, who were watching this. And, of course, if you were to ask the political left, they'll be like, only 700,000 people. Abomination, but, um, and and just so much hubris all around from DeSantis, from Musk, like, you know, oh, by the way, 700,000 people is not that much. Like, Twitter should be able to handle 700,000 people. Um, but... Good to know that the former White House Director of Communications thinks Twitter should be able to handle this or handle that. You decided to launch on Twitter. You got to deal with what comes. And if Twitter couldn't handle all of the people, uh, you can spin it all you want. But it's maybe not the best launch you could have hoped for. None of that matters. Donald Trump launched in 2016 by coming down an escalator. Down an escalator. Does this matter? Well, of course it doesn't matter. But you listen to the people discussing how important this is. My gosh, what an absolutely horrible thing he did. My gosh, what a terrible job. This this is where we're having uh, opinions. Whether it's Alyssa Farrah Griffin. Alyssa, you had said this morning uh, on CNN that it would either be brilliant or disastrous, obviously, Seems like more of the latter. Um, listen, when you're doing these campaign launches, months of planning goes in. Comms teams, advanced teams, they pinpoint every single detail to make you look presidential. And frankly, the first thing you should do is do no harm. The tech side, harm was done. But also looking presidential is a very odd platform to have him with two other people kind of talking amongst each other. Well, so there's no looking. because There's no could, looking. Yeah, you're only hearing. <laughs> so it, it came off almost like he was a talk radio host, not a future leader of the free world. I think it was a total miscalculation by his team. Um, listen, his remarks off the top were perfectly decent. He could have given them in an arena with a crowd, and I think that would have been much stronger than this, what was frankly a debacle. Debacle. Okay. Feel free. But you'll notice that the conversation gets much more about the tech than it does about DeSantis. 
Listen to this. It, this was in the same conversation. Van Jones answering the question from Anderson Cooper. It, it's a very weird way to start your campaign. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of already bowing down to uh, uh, technology, wealth, power. This is not a populist campaign. Uh, he's sitting there, uh, by the way, you know, Twitter uh, trying to get involved in social audio, uh, chasing Clubhouse, failing. Even you know, It's not just D.C. is laughing. Silicon Valley is laughing as well. So you, know, you put yourself in the middle of a big fist fight in Silicon Valley over who's going to be the king of social audio while you're trying to run for president and nobody can hear you, hear you talking. It was a disaster. He's talking about Elon Musk in a fight that nobody's even thinking about. No one's engaged in that. But go back to this beginning part here. It's kind of already bowing down to uh, uh, technology, wealth. Isn't that exactly what the political left has done with YouTube and the rest? And why is it bowing down to go on Twitter? Oh, because it's Elon Musk. But when you're getting help from Mark Zuckerberg over at Facebook, then it's good campaigning. When it was my.barackobama.com back in 2008 and Obama was doing these exact things online, that wasn't bowing down to the tech oligarchs? Dear Lord Van Jones, you sound unserious. Unserious and not focused on Ron DeSantis. Focused on Elon Musk, which is weird because it wasn't about Musk. Unless you think that's the whole story. Oh, that's right. He took away your sandbox. He took away your playground of Twitter, and you're still angry about it. Gotcha. More of what it is Ron DeSantis said in this announcement. And whether or not we think that this is the start of a very, very good run. Is that an example of something Governor DeSantis might uh, become involved with, but President DeSantis would not? I mean, the president has a different role. There, there would not be that, I guess, interconnectivity with a private business. Or, or do you think it's also appropriate for a president to do that? Well, if there was somehow a federally conferred private government given to a corporation like you had with Disney, then that could potentially be something that you would do. But I don't think that that exists anywhere else in the country. So I think this was a unique setup involving the state of Florida and this one company. And it started many, many decades ago. But clearly, it's not something that was viable uh, going forward. So I just don't think you would have the same set of facts, uh, a president v to be what a governor would do in this situation. But we will, as president, lean in against woke ideology and against the sexualization of children. It's wrong, Trey, what they're trying to do to these kids. We're not going to abide by it. And in Florida, we say we're the state where woke goes to die. You know, as president, I'm going to make sure woke ideology ends up in the dustbin of history. That's Governor Ron DeSantis, who made his announcement he's running for president, came uh, via video, then the appearance on Twitter Spaces, and then uh, Fox News with Trey Gowdy, all of the pieces. The The Twitter announcement did not go great in terms of the technology, but did it go bad in terms of what he said? Because the man did speak, and hundreds of thousands of people did tune in. They did want to hear what it is Ron DeSantis had to say and Ron DeSantis got into a series of conversations like for example about the agency class 
But no, so um, Governor DeSantis, my question to you is, you know, you served here in Congress for six years with me. And um, why is it that Congress is so feckless at reining in these government agencies? And and what do you think we need to do? And if you were president, what what would you urge Congress or what bills would you like to see and sign to rein in this, uh, you know, sort of overreach of government bureaucracy? Well, first, I think there's a lot that the executive branch can do. And I, all I will say when it comes to these agencies, we'll put we'll we'll go into this a little bit more as the campaign goes on. But buckle up when I get in there, because the, the status quo is not acceptable. Um, and we are going to make sure that we reconstitutionalize this government. And these agencies are totally out of control. There's no accountability. And we are going to bring that in a very big way. Now, part of the reason it's gotten so bad power has been consolidated and effectively a fourth branch of government because Congress hasn't used its two main powers that it has under the Constitution. First, the power of the purse. If an agency is gauging in conduct that is outside the realm of what is legal or you think it's not good for the public interest, then you can remove the funding for those for those operations. Um, there's nothing that they're not entitled to get the same level of funding every year. And yet Congress runs the government on autopilot, either continuing resolutions or massive omnibus spending bills. So these agencies are all bulletproof. They know that they're going to end up getting uh, something similar or more every single year. Uh, and it creates an incentive for them to, to abuse their power. The other thing you, you can do is actually legislate so you're not delegating to the bureaucracy key issues regarding how to enforce federal law. You should define what you want. All they should be doing is implementing. Instead, Congress will basically give an invitation for the bureaucracy to make really important substantive decisions. And so Congress may never vote on something and the bureaucracy will cite a law from 20 years ago and do things that are going to transform our society or our country. That is not the way the founding fathers drew up the Constitution. So would you sign the Reins Act? We passed it out of judiciary today. Oh, yeah. No, you of course. Yeah, that's a no brainer. Um, that would, I think, be a great check. Uh, for that. I also think that we're going to have a good chance uh, to see some of the Chevron deference uh, really curtailed or maybe even eliminated uh, based on the U.S. Supreme Court's uh, upcoming jurisprudence. And I think that's a, another reason why the bureaucracy has become so powerful, because courts have basically been told they can pretty much do what they want and, and courts are supposed to just defer. I don't think that that's actually correct. I think the courts, uh, they have to make a judgment about what does the law actually say, and you can't just defer to quote-unquote experts in the bureaucracy. Thank now, you listen to that, and I played that that segment in, in full, a long segment, was three minutes. No mention of 2020, no mention of stolen elections, no name-calling took place. A conversation about policy, Chevron deference, a case uh, that is the Supreme Court's going to take back up, and Chevron deference is the idea that when presented with uh, concepts of legislation or, or with, with lawsuits or with cases in front of the court, uh, we, we allow the agencies to make these decisions. We have deference to what the agency decides because somehow the agency is filled with these wise people. Of course it's not. It allowed the agency class to grow and be abusive. So getting rid of Chevron deference, getting rid of this idea that the agency class gets to decide for us, these unelected bodies with these unelected bureaucrats get to decide for us what's what. Getting rid of that is extremely, extremely important. Ron DeSantis, the three minutes of policy there. 
And for people like myself, that does matter. I just don't know if it matters on a on a wide scale. Is the is the cult of personality more important? That's some of what got said. Everyone's gonna talk about how poorly the Twitter thing went. That's part of what got discussed on the Twitter thing. It may have started bad, but did it end that way? 